the small group has a tendency to, to try and take the whole group together and move a direction. I call that the convoy mentality. And so that everybody's got to go through the same thing and everybody's got to go at the same pace. And you understand by doing that 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 may not be the primary need that God has for them in their life right now. And so the content that you're trying to give people is relevant to some and not as relevant to others. The cell group has more of a personalized approach where it helps people to learn how to, to, to study the Bible on their own and to gain understanding of God's Word into their life. And they're trying to help people to learn how to do that on their own. You know, sometimes you hear in churches, they say, I'm not being fed. Is that a, is that a saying that you hear, or something like that that you hear in Germany sometimes? You know, you know what my response to that is? Because invariably, a supposedly mature Christian says that. I say, I'm so hard, sorry to hear that, that you are that much of a spiritual baby. I thought you were more mature than that. Only babies need to be fed. One of the signs of adulthood is the capacity to feed yourself. I am so sorry to hear that you make this admission that you, are, you have been a Christian for 20 years and you still consider yourself to be a spiritual baby. That is very... Only in America. <laughs> ...say here is we don't have to assume that every spiritual input into a person's life must happen in meetings. What we want to see is to encourage people to develop a lifestyle of getting the Word into their life and have an encouragement to be able to live out those things that God is impressing upon them so that they grow more Christ-like and they're being held accountable to reach out to their relatives. Better stop. <laughs> Do you see the difference of what we're talking about here? We're talking about a very active, dynamic Christianity where God is in the midst and this is just the supportive environment that helps that kind of growth to happen. The point that I'm trying to make is that we're not talking about a cell meeting as much as we're talking about cell life. See, what happens in the meeting is only a tip of the iceberg of all the other stuff that's happening behind the scenes and outside of the group. And so the cell group is this place of encouragement where people are encouraged to get deeper into God's Word, where there's a chance for mutual edification to happen, where everybody has a sense of God in their midst and receives clarity regarding what God's agenda is for them next, where they are loved and encouraged to take the next steps that God is asking them to take. And so there's a lot of stuff that's happening outside of the group that's part of what we call cell life. For instance, in one church, it's a small church, they have cell group meetings, but they encourage people to be to form what they call Bible impact groups. But here's what they do. Number one, there are no rules. Number two, there's no set plan. But here's what typically happens. Normally, it's a group of, of three or four. They make a commitment to read the Bible. So, for instance, they might agree to read the book of Ephesians during this week at least five times. At the end of the next, at the end of that week when they meet together, if not everybody in the group had read Ephesians five times, then they read Ephesians five more times the next week. They stay in Ephesians until everybody in one week reads Ephesians five times all the way through. This works better, by the way, if you don't do it all the first week, because you get more of Scripture into your life by reading it more repetitively. 
and they share with each other what they see God you know what they see and what God's been saying to them through this reading process. The other thing they do in these groups is they have a series of about eight or nine questions that they ask each other. Questions regarding personal holiness and uh, opportunities to to uh, uh, witness to the supremacy of supremacy of Christ. And the last question is, have I lied to you on any of the above questions? Because in, in especially in men's groups, they'll ask questions like. Have you exposed yourself to anything that is, would, would not be health, healthy to maintain sexual purity? And other type, very pointed questions. Each group, of course, gets to make up their own set. They can adapt. And so there's accountability for personal holiness and accountability for getting scripture into your life. And one of the results that's coming out of this, these little groups are growing and multiplying. And people are now starting to come to Christ because people's lives are being changed and they're now starting to reach out to others. What I described is not a cell group meeting. That's just one of the things. Now, you could do that idea if you wanted to in a cell group, couldn't you? See, it's not so important what the specific forms are. The issues are the functions. Is God's Word getting into the hearts of people? And is it happening in a way that does not create dependency upon somebody that teaches them, but, but it's done in a way that the body can encourage each other and use the gifts appropriately so that people learn how to do it on their own? Are people growing in their personal holiness? And not just in the external kinds of things that are easy to da, share, but the kinds of issues nicht, of motives and hearts. Nicht. And is there a safe environment where they can confess their sins to one another and share on a deeper level so they can get greater help and encouragement? Are people developing relationships with not, people that are not yet Christians and working together to seek to reach them? See, I would suggest to you that when we truly begin to understand the dynamics of cell life, I think we begin to get a picture of this is the kind of Christianity that God intends for everybody. And in many cases, it's far different than what we've normally historically experienced. The final component is that of vision. This is vision for the outreach and multiplication. Every single cell group meeting has to focus on, on the task of the mission. See, up until now, it's been focused on the believer. But a cell group also wants to make more disciples as well. And so there's a time that helps an activity or something that helps to keep people's vision going outward. Sometimes, there's many different ways to do that. One way that is done is to have what they call the empty chair. How many are familiar with the empty chair? Typically in, in a, 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 a cell group that does this, they would have people get into little groups, like maybe three or four people, and they would have, though, a set up an empty chair in this group of three, there would be a fourth space. And then there would be another little group here that might be with uh, four people, and they again would have an empty chair. Now, they would do that very deliberately, because in their time of sharing and praying for one another, they would also pray for the person who needs to fill that chair, someone who is not yet a Christian. And so when you break into these little groups like this, you have more personalized time, and you also have a very visual image of the fact that this group needs to continue to reach out and continue to grow. That's one idea of something that could be done. You may like it, you may not, it doesn't matter. The key thing is that are you doing something every single week that helps people to think through the, the outreach component? Another thing you could do is you could have people write a list of, of all the names of people they spend at least one hour a week with or more, and then have them circle the names on the list of the people that are not Christians. 
as a very minimum starting point, that is the mission field or the oikos of the person in the group. So you have the four components of a cell meeting. 